So we have a special treat uh, for you this morning. Uh, one of the people who have probably left um, such a great imprint on grace over the last couple of decades and really has helped us to navigate so many different things has been Martin Sanders. He's been a mentor to many of us, a mentor to me, mentor to many others here on staff and and it's part of the church, and we love Martin. We love what he brings uh, every time he comes. So Martin's going to come and deliver the word for us today. So would you guys just welcome Martin Sanders? Hey, buddy. Thank you. I have to admit, I was uh, slightly nervous waiting off stage. We're talking about your C groups. I was thinking if I was here regularly, I would be expected to be involved in the aging, good-looking, available men's group. <laughs> It'd be a small but distinguished group. We, we would have to meet privately at a secluded location, just for protection. I, I should stop while I still have any credibility. Hey, I want to say something to you as we begin. It always does feel a bit like homecoming. When I come here, it just it feels really good. And last night and this morning, I was sitting here thinking, I've not, I've not spoken in a church in months and months. Uh, don't worry, it's not I don't go to church. Um, but I've been doing conferences and international things. And I just thought, it's just so good to be in a church. So y'all are fortunate. Hopefully by the end of today, you'll have that same sense. This morning I want to uh, attempt to fit into the series that you are currently a part of. When Doug told me, it's always interesting as an outside speaker to come in and figure out, can you jump into a current series? And when Doug told me what he was doing, I go, I've got something similar that I'm working on. I've never done it. It's always interesting when it's similar in my mind, it's not always as similar to the people who are hearing it. So. Um, <laughs> In my mind, this is very similar. It, will, it won't be seamless, but it will fit in here. I want to talk in the series, not about someone who's unsung and unknown, but someone who's very known. But I want to give you the other side and do a bit of a compare contrast, if I may. First Kings 11, I want to talk about the discipline of honesty. Um, I'm intrigued when we look at the people who were ordered for us in the Bible. These, they're no, names years later. Sometimes we don't know much about them, but hence the series you're doing. But in their world, they were ordinary people. And I discovered a long, long time ago that in places like this, ordinary people make the best disciples. Because God's Spirit has this ability to take ordinary people and make them be extraordinary. Not do extraordinary, become extraordinary people. And sometimes they're people who have been known, and sometimes by the end of the life, they're not known, but only to a few. Very often people leave a mark, and their mark is sometimes known for something amazingly good. Uh, sometimes there's the other side as well. And so with the discipline of honesty, I want us to work through this identity piece so that we can begin to work through, for each of you, your character, this discipline of honesty. 
in a summary statement on integrity. Here's why this matters to me. You know this, but very often when you're with a group of people and someone is talking to you, they're in the group, and then they walk away. Almost everyone in the group has a thought about them. Sometimes there's even a comment. And the comment is, I just love when she's around. My favorite one is, I feel more loved by God when he's here. Now, it doesn't get much better than that as a humanoid. You, uh, you, you get a sense that you get to carry his presence. You get to leave a mark. Now, here's the point. You get to inform what is said about you. But the discipline of honesty is a necessity because you also know that people walk away. And sometimes the response is very different, like, glad they left. Or, how long, or Lord, were they going to stay? I'm not going to give you more. You all know these statements. You use them sometimes with some of your friends. And so let's decide, what's going to be the descriptor? But let's start with the discipline of honesty. In 1 Kings 11, I'm not going to put it up and read it to you. I want to do more of a narrative. There are a few verses that I want to punctuate. There's a lot of narrative to this and words that sound a lot like um, Midwest Mennonite groups. And uh, I actually, actually, as a young pastor, I had a guy come up to me and goes, I didn't know Mennonites went clear back to the Bible. I said, they don't. And he was reading and he just took some of these phrases and made it sound like, in his mind, they were Mennonites. And I said, no, it's not quite that long. Let's look at this passage in 1 Kings 11 together. It says, now King Solomon, however, whenever there's one of those statements early in a passage, it's like, okay, we've got a contrast coming, and it's often not a great one. So King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women. We just need to stop there. When the, when the descriptor of you starts with that, the rest that comes isn't going to be that great. The rest of it's going to be, oh, and he had issues. So Solomon had many foreign wives, but it doesn't stop there. And uh, it begins to describe who they were, and they were Moabites and lots of, uh, lots of ites there. Trust me, no Mennonites. They were from the nations which the Lord had told them not to marry because they would turn their hearts away towards their gods. It says, nevertheless, Solomon held, uh, held fast to them in love. Now, uh, the descriptor of this passage is that Solomon loved many women. We're talking a thousand. Now, that's just high capacity right there. Um, I, I'm not sure uh, the Robert Palmer song w- was written about Solomon, but you might as well face it, you're addicted to love. <laughs> and some of you go, I, that's kind of been my story. You know. So when, you, when the story starts out like this, you've got to go, what, what's the issues of the heart and the soul? We're describing a life, but why this choice? Why these choices? What else was going on in there? 
And as the passage moves on, you begin to get this sense in verse six, it says, so Solomon did evil in the Lord's eyes and he did not follow the Lord completely. And then it's a, a unique phrase, as David his father had done. And so at a first reading of this, I wanna go, okay, let's just stop for a minute. And I wanna I want speak to the writer of the text and go, do you not remember back in Chronicles David's story? Because you know David wasn't the guy who did it perfectly. The narrative of David's story is when he became king, he had more wives than anyone else in Jerusalem. Yet it didn't stop him from going after someone else's wife. So I want you to understand something. Solomon grew up seeing this. He didn't come to this on his own. Now let's just push pause for a minute. So much of what we learn is in structures of people who love us, extended family structures. And what you see in one generation, if it is not dealt with well, multiplies in the next generation. So that's why this discipline of honesty is so significant. Because we learn from the people who love us. And we model well great traits and alternative traits for the people who come behind us. But there begins to be this compare-contrast that we'll look at in just a moment. As this text unfolds, we begin to get insights into Solomon's life and what was going on with him. As we read these, you just begin to see that he did what he wanted to do with little regard to what came next. We're actually told... In verse three, that there were 700 wives, notice the term, 700 wives of royal birth. They were political, they were financial agreements, 700. And then 300 concubines, which in this day and age was sort of like, these were for fun. The others were for business, the 300 were for fun. So again, you might as well face it, you're addicted to love because it says he loved many women. I don't think that needed to be said, but it was. So as the passage moves on in verse nine, the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. And although he had forbidden Solomon not to do this, Solomon did it anyway. And so the Lord said to him in verse 11, Solomon, since this is your attitude. Now, come on. This is one of the phrases you never, ever want to hear from the Lord. Okay, fine. It's your attitude. What comes next is not what you want to hear. There are only a few of these phrases in Scripture where God says something and you go, oh, no, this, this is bad. And since this is your attitude, it's one of those. The only one that I think is, is probably even worse is when Jesus is interacting with Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, it's a bad day when Jesus calls you Satan. That's a bad day right there. So this one's almost as bad. Since this is your attitude, fine. Here you go. Here you go. And so one of the things in this narrative is to say, it's, 
You gotta check your attitude. Just check it and see what's going on there and why. And then clearly from the text, God's intent is please, please return with all your heart. As we do a compare and a contrast here, here's the story of Solomon. If we wanna talk about a discipline of honesty, it is not Solomon's life. And we're using this passage because twice in just these first 10 verses, twice it compares and contrasts Solomon to his father, David. Well, we've already documented, David didn't do everything perfectly at all. We know that narrative, but he was willing to adjust, repent and change. In Psalm 27, one, David is speaking. And he sounds a bit like a prophet of old. I, I never want to just read the words of scripture. I want to see them. I want to see the prophet David. David was interesting because he was the warrior king on one hand, great strength and military insight, but he was the worshiping king. The worshiping warrior is a great image in scripture. And that was David. And in Psalm 27, one, you can picture him. He says, vindicate me, O God, for I've walked in my integrity. No, go, time out, Dave, time out. I don't know, but I don't think you should be a national spokesperson for integrity, unless it had a different meaning back then than it does now. Dave, let's play a game. You know, in college entrance exams, they have the which word doesn't fit. Dave, let's do that. Which word does not fit this sequence? David, Bathsheba, Uriah, integrity. Dave, which word doesn't fit here, buddy? But see, he knew something that either we don't know or we have forgotten. But to be a person of integrity doesn't mean you have never messed up. It means you deal honesty, honestly with them. And the compare contrast is David, although he had his issues, came back to God, said, God, this is who I am, this is what I've done. I am talented at making bad choices. Will you work with me? I've actually met people that their single greatest gifting in life is making poor choices. <laughs> but it's not the final chapter of their story yet. Thinking about it this morning, the pursuit of God. But it's up to you to do the changing. The willing spirit that says yes to him at every turn. That's the compare contrast. So as we look at this, it's this willingness to change, this willingness to adjust that is so crucial. Why? Because if not, other people pay. As we look at this, this verse, since this is your attitude, what does he do? God says, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna take your kingdom away from you, but I'm not gonna take your kingdom away from you while you're alive. I'm gonna give you some graciousness, just some graciousness. I'm gonna take it away from the people who follow you, which is great on one hand, out if you're one of his relatives. Folks, here's why I wanna push you just a little. If you do not embrace a discipline of honesty, other people sometimes have to pay. That's not fair. When others have to pay, 
it comes back to you. A few years ago, I had a young guy in my office. I was going through, as some of you know, some very tough life moments. And he said to me, Martin, do you ever just lose it? He goes, I watch you and go, how do you keep it together? He goes, most people I know would just lose it. And I go, first of all, you got to define what lose it is. I don't, I don't know what that means. He goes, you just can't handle it anymore. And you're, you lose it. Your anger gets out of control. And you just let it go. And I was thinking, this is an odd question for me. And I said to him, no, I don't do that. Here's why. Because if I do that, someone else has to pay. Not fair. They're my issues. They're not yours. You happen to work in the office with me. You happen to run the part that I don't have time to run. Thank you. If I took my anger out on you, no fairness in that. You don't deserve that. He goes, you got to teach me how to do this. This one appears to be rare. And I said, no, I don't think so. I think there's actually lots of people who know this. We just don't always notice. We notice the ones who explode. We don't notice the ones. Don't. Probably a number of you here. Let's keep going with this passage. The narrative, the principles from it. So build on what you have and what you have been given, not what you wish you had. That's a great life mission statement. Build on what you have been given, not wish you had. Repentance as a lifestyle is just a normative pattern. The team I have, we just regularly call each other and go, time for an update. We know what that means. We hate it when one guy texts because we know it's going to be a long night. He just has more to repent of than the rest of us. But we're his friends, so we take the time. And he goes, my life would be dreadful without you guys. And we say, we know, we know. And that's why we have committed to you. Your ability is high. Your ability to mess up is equally as high. Let's put it together. And before long, it'll go a little bit like this. And he usually gets teary and goes, amazing to have friends like this. You're welcome. But let's not take quite so long the next time. Let's deal with this a little more. You begin to see what the discipline of honesty looks like. It's repentance, it's a lifestyle, it's keeping your confessions current. The issues of your heart and soul are up to date. You check your attitude to see what's there. And it is about returning the phrase of Scripture with all your heart. Let's do the descriptors of what this looks like in your life. Let's begin to tie this together. The descriptors of life go like this. This discipline of honesty has a foundational thing for two key reasons. One, if you're, not, if you're one who's given to, to just sort of slight twisting of the truth, just because it's easier and you don't want to get in trouble. It's funny how many of us, when we become adults, fall back into patterns of a child. It's just easier, note the word, easier, just to tell a version of the truth. I discovered very early on, in my 20s, I was pretty gifted here. I was good at just shading it a little. Reframing was my favorite phrase. Reframed it so I looked better than I did in reality. One of the challenges, though, I was married to a woman who was a literalist. 
And one of the things I loved is I could trust her for anything because she almost didn't have the ability to lie. I regarded it well in her. I thought, she deserves someone who gives a straightforward truth. So it was a clear decision early on. I'm going to take on a discipline of honesty. A, I need it for my own heart and soul. B, she deserves it. But it's also crucial for me, in, just in this last week, I have had eight people who, when confronted with the truth, did not tell it directly and honestly. We're, we're talking a physician who has a, he's a closet alcoholic. He got caught. The lie he unfolded was just so not believable. I'm going, you're not an intelligent person if you think this isn't going to fly. And even when we were sitting there talking through his life, his eyes were going different directions. Like, how, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? I actually had three women confess to me that they did, based on soul care, they did a life confession. And they said, but I lied in my life confession. I wanted to say, uh, what, what planet do you live on that this makes sense to you? And so the question was the same. Should I, should I do my life confession over again? And I go, no. This is not about confessing. In fact, you've got to deal with your character. You didn't lie in your life confession. You are a liar. This is your character. So we've got to deal with the character. Actually, you do. Deal with the character. You're a deceptive person. Present yourself to be better than you actually are. And when you had a shot at just being free, still controlled and lied. Don't do it over again. Deal with the core issues. Deal with the core issues of your soul. And so once you make those decisions, it's a follow-through, a very simple follow-through. And it is about your character, and it is about your integrity. It was now almost 15 years ago, an organization I run called Global Leadership. You all have been very gracious over the decades to help sponsor us. We just did some great things in both uh, last month in both Paris and in Guinea, West Africa. I don't recommend you go there. It's, uh, it's not one of the favorite bright spots on the planet, but it was needed, so we worked with 500 leaders there. But 15 years ago, I wanted a partnership in Harlem, so I checked around to see who was there, what organization, what church would be the best for me to partner with, uh, and for global long-term. There's an influential church there called um, Bethel Gospel Assembly. And as I uh, made an appointment, went and meet with uh, Bishop Carlton Brown, he's given me permission to tell the story. He was a little nervous I was coming. And I wanted to create a partnership, do conferences, seminars there with his people and use it in all of the region of Harlem. And he, uh, he said to me, Martin, I've done my homework. I know what you do. I know what you do internationally. I know who you are. Why do you want to partner with us? And then he started to say, we're not the largest church in Harlem. He had about five of those. I stopped him in the middle, and I said, Bishop, here's why I'm here talking to you and not to other people. I've done my homework, too. 
And you stand as a person of character and integrity in Harlem like nobody else. I don't want the reputation. I want the integrity. Now, I don't care what you're not. I want to know, are you in reality what you appear to be? Does the reality match the reputation? And he goes, absolutely it does. Stood up, walked over to him, shook his hand, embraced him. I said, we got a deal if you want it. It has been a great partnership. Our world is looking for it. Your God is asking for it. The people who love you most are hoping for it. Discipline, honesty. Some of you have, uh, are relatively new here. I've heard the stats, so I'm going to just take time to give you a little background of why this next story matters most. Six weeks ago in August, um, it was the fourth anniversary of my wife's passing. She had an odd neurological disorder. It took us several years to get a diagnosis, actually almost four. And then when she passed, they asked to check, um, do research on her brain to see what was actually going on. Was it genetic? Our kids wanted to know and figured out that we'd gotten an absolutely wrong diagnosis. And so for those of you who are new, my story is I've sort of, in a several year period, have been to hell and back a few times. So it was in August, and it was going to, we were coming up on the, the anniversary of her passing. And two days before the anniversary, my daughter sent me this picture. A year ago, she had twins. And they decided to name the boys after the deceased grandparents. Um, Son-in-law Nick, his father was killed tragically in a car accident when he had just turned 12. His name was George, and Diana's middle name was Dale. So the twins are Dale and George. And what's interesting is they look like Dale, looks like our side of the family, and George looks like his side of the family. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> she sends me this picture, and I thought, look in those eyes. This one happens to be family for me. You know these eyes. You've seen them in children lots of times. Their life is before them. Decisions they make will frame who they become and what they're like. You know the eyes. You know them. Started to write a poem. I'm not very good at that. But I started to write one and thought, this one sounds too good to be Martin. So I Googled it, and it was. It was somebody else's. <laughs> but man, I thought I finally got one right. No. no, I just borrowed well. But here's the poem. Across the fields of yesterday, he sometimes comes to me. The little lad just back from play, the lad I used to be. And then he smiles so wistfully once he's crept within. I wonder if he hopes to see the man I might have been. I wonder if he hopes to see the man I might have been. And I thought, I've got 10, maybe 12, possibly even 15 good years. What kind of man can I become? 
Well-intentioned people, as I've told this story just a handful of times, they automatically go to, what, what are you going to do with those years? I go, it's not about what I do. It's about who I am. It's the depth and the character, the trustworthiness, the ability to pass on to people depth of things that they don't know about. What I do will grow out of it, sure. But I don't want to be about what I do. It's about who I am. Because the closest you're ever going to get to the innocence of those eyes is the discipline of honesty. To wake up in the mornings and go, I don't have any secrets to hide. I'm not going to lie to anybody. I'm going to tell the straightforward truth. Between my own heart and soul and the heart of the Father, there's a direct flow. Who doesn't want that? It's very simply discipline of honesty. I wish I could have been here last week because this would be an ideal message to do with communion. Because with communion, it's one of the great things that you get a shot every time you do communion to leave something behind and ask for something more. We're just a week off. We're still going to do that this morning. Is there something for you to leave behind? If you can't think of anything, guess. I bet you're right the first time. It's not very scientific, but it's part of the soul. Take a few moments to just ask and listen. God, is there anything from your perspective that's probably time to leave behind? Ask him if it's there. He'll make it so clear you can't miss it. Otherwise, to celebrate, he's not putting his finger on anything today. So in just a moment, prayer teams are going to come to the front. And if this is a day to leave something behind, I'll take full advantage of it. If you know there's nothing to leave behind, but you want something, you're in a great spot. Because God is the giver of all good gifts. He's going to say, "Hun, you want it? I got something for you. Buddy, you know you need that extra bit. Come on. Don't be too proud to ask for it. Come, I'll give it to you. And so as the prayer teams come, I'm going to ask you to just be quiet for a few moments. We won't take long with this. I'll release you in just a little bit. As you consider a life of the discipline of honesty, is there anything to leave behind? Anything to ask for? Anything to embrace in a new way? for people to get out if they want to. You also have a pattern of praying for healing. 
And so if you're going to, it just makes it easier if you're going to come forward. It's not like, oh, he's got issues. We do, all of us. But it's also a time to receive the best of healing for you. So take just a few moments. If it's good to leave something behind, come. If there's someone to pray something out of you or into you, come. If it's time for a healing touch, the hand of the Father, it's a good day for that. Let's do it. that Martin said last night that I think is so important for us to hear is quite often uh, when we see healings in scripture, confession is a part of it. And so we pray for you before the service and get a sense that God wants to do some uh, healing. We, we heard that there's people who are struggling with a right knee. We heard that there's a, somebody in the room that's struggling with a shoulder injury. And I, I just think there's a connection between what Martin has shared and what's going on. So... I just would encourage you to come, if that's you, if you know even as I say that, that, that you need prayer physically. Um, I just got a sense even before the services we were praying that um, there's people who are just struggling with backs, nagging backaches, uh, and headaches. And I think there's probably a good chance uh, that what Martin has taught us and the back and, and headaches might be connected. So if that's just uh, rings true for you, and that's really how it works. The spirit nudges you and you're like, boy, that sounds like me. Take a risk, as Martin said, just come down. Allow us to pray with you and for you. Uh, there's plenty of people down here. We'll wait for you, you wait for us, and we'll just uh, pray for you. So let me pray over us. And uh, if you would just sort of sneak out and save your conversation for uh, in the lobby. Uh, that'll allow us to continue to pray. Lord, thank you so much for Martin. Thank you for his words. Thank you for the call to honesty. Lord, I pray that we would just hear that, that even as we become more diligent in our confessions, that your spirit would flow in a, in a more powerful way in this place. I pray for the, the people who are still hesitant. They're sitting and standing in their, in their place and know they need to come, but they're, but they're hesitant. I just pray that you would give them a nudge, give them the courage to come down and just allow us to pray with them and for them. And we're here to love them, to help them in the next step. Thank you for the way your spirit moves. Thank you that you talk to us, that you see us, that you know us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank Martin as you sneak out. Thank you.